You are listening to the Equip Podcast by Arise Ministries. It is December, and that means that it's Christmas time. Some of you are excited, some of you are nervous, and some of you are just ready for January to get here. And regardless, there are so many things that flood our minds, whether they are good or bad. They take up our time and our energy, and they just overwhelm us during this season. I want to talk about that today. I want to create a space for all of us to sit for a moment and really lean into some truth. In the middle of our rushing and celebrating and stressing and shopping, I wanted us to find ourselves in this place that brings peace and clarity and gives us the ability to face tomorrow, whatever that may bring. That place for me over the past couple of years has been next to my friend Tracy, treasure hunting through the birth of Jesus in scripture. And I want to share that space with you today. We want to take you on a journey, a journey with Mary, with Jesus, a journey with truth where you will find yourself in the middle of all of it, finding hope and peace and power all through the lens of the Christmas story. So welcome to week one of the truth about Christmas. Friends, I want to introduce you to Tracy Nyberg, a great friend of mine. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I met Tracy in 2013 on a mission trip in Roatan, Honduras. I was a pastor, I was a single mom, and I was desperate for some balance and accountability. I was speaking two to three times a week at work and just trying to raise my little boys. And scripture was rarely about me and God. It was always about other people and always about my work. And I approached you on a random coffee date and just, I think I might have shocked you because we just got to know each other. And I said, hey, I have a question for you. And you said, okay. And I said, I was wondering, no big deal, if you would be willing to meet with me once a week for the rest of my life (laughs) as my accountability partner. And you looked at me a little strange that day. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have crossed the line. I'm moving too fast. (laughs) I scared you a little. You had had, from what I learned later, is you had had a bad experience with the word accountability. Yeah, I had a lot of baggage on that front from a previous church, previous experiences. And when you said accountability, I was pretty much like a deer in the headlights. I saw it all over your face. (laughs) I remember asking you, what exactly do you mean by that? (laughs) Yeah, and I said, I need someone asking me if I'm reading scripture and then not being nice to me when I say I haven't been, like for me. And you oh, said, oh. I said, I, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I can try that. <laughs> and I, I didn't realize at the time, like, there was a need that God had put in you for us to get together, but there was a need of healing in me. And he knew that when you approached me and knew that I needed that. That's, I mean, and that was seven years ago. And yeah. I, to look back at how the Lord has worked in our lives, we've met almost every Thursday for seven years. And all we talk about is scripture and what God is showing us and uh, how we're seeing it differently. And maybe um, we we even have not arguments, but just this, well, I see it different and you see it different. I've learned mm-hmm. so much. And so you have sharpened me. You have changed the way I open my Bible. And I can't wait for moms to learn from you like I have learned from you. You have some incredible truth to where we're going to be able to find ourselves in this Christmas story today and regroup and recenter and have this place where we get to set and be like, oh. 
oh my goodness, it's not just about me having all of these things and doing all of these things right. And I cannot wait for them to hear from you. <laughs> but I have to ask you, why did you agree to do this? Um, well, to be honest, when you asked me to do this podcast, I was a little nervous. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I love that you are in this ministry to single moms. It is so important and so valuable. And just, I love that God has brought you to this ministry. And I am not a single mom. I'm a mom, but I'm not a single mom. And just based on difficult experiences of other things that I've had, it can be really difficult when someone who's not in your shoes comes in and is, I I just really need to tell you what God has to say to you. And I don't want to be that person that says, okay, I know exactly what single moms need to know. <laughs> that being said, I mean, God's truth is God's truth. Yeah. And um, so I think that we can all gain that. But I apologize if anything I say comes off in that way. I think what what made me really excited about coming on and doing this podcast with you was I thought of all of the single moms that I know and these just amazing women, so many that have gone down these rough roads, you know, unexpected death of their husband, unexpected divorce, difficult situations with their kids, um, a choosing to be a single mom by fostering or adopting, but that is not an easy road to choose. Um, And I just started thinking of all of these different women, friends and acquaintances, and being like, this is an amazing group of ladies. And I just, that made me really excited to come on and to talk with you to single moms because these are amazing ladies. They really are. And I'm so excited that you're here. And let's just jump right in. We are going to talk about the truth about Christmas. And this conversation started between us a couple of years ago. I can't even remember how we got to this or what started it. But I want to begin this by asking, what do you think of when you think about the Christmas story? I mean, it's really interesting because if you think about stories of our faith that are just broadly known in the culture, like this is one of them. You don't have to have grown up in any sort of Christian home to have driven by and seen the nativity scenes, you know, and to know this sort of story of Jesus in a manger and, you know, all of that. And um, I think sometimes because of how prevalent it is, we kind of just maybe lose some of the depth of it It loses its wonder yeah Yeah. I think when it becomes just this common knowledge we forget how big of a deal it was right right so what about as an adult do you you grew up hearing the Christmas story. You yeah, went to, I, I went to a Christian school, so we memorized the Christmas oh, story. Oh, you had it memorized. Like I, Luke 2 was in King James. Like We, we had a very different childhood. My, <laughs> right. What I knew about the Christmas story growing up was because of Charlie Brown. Right, So, yes. I mean, which I didn't hey, know. he's accurate. He's preaching the gospel. Right. I had no idea. I was just like, yes. But as an adult, you see it differently. What yeah. is it that really sticks out to you as an adult? The last couple of years, as I've read through the story, the 
The phrase that I always get caught on, and it varies from version. In the original version that I memorized, King James, it says they placed him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Um, The NIV actually probably has a more accurate translation. It says because there was no guest room available for them. Um, But this idea that, that even for Jesus... And even for Mary, sometimes there's no room in the inn. And um, I think we all have had those points in our life. And I think when you read this story, you get to that, and it kind of blows the prosperity gospel out of the water. (laughs) It kind of um, says anyone that has that sort of idea of the fairy godmother god that just grants your wishes and makes you happy and you live in this great little world because god takes care of everything for you he didn't take care of that he he didn't save them room in the end and like i mean everyone was traveling because of this census so that was maybe kind of this big inconvenience that hey maybe god you could have just not had a census right now (laughs) if i'm think if i'm thinking in mary's shoes but On top of that, like everyone's traveling and maybe, you know, sometimes we experience those things where it's like the pandemic, where it's, this is affecting everyone and this stinks, but it's everyone. But then she gets there and that means someone else is in the room. Someone Mm -hmm. else was up in that guest room and she, pregnant Mary, wasn't. And she should have been. (laughs) By all accounts, if if this makes sense, who should have had not just a room, but like the king suite right with the chocolates <laughs> in and the palace the spa. The- yes and in there should have it should have it, it has always blown my mind that god did not accommodate for even the birth of christ and that was this huge reality check for me actually i remember when i was going through my divorce and i had just become a single mom i remember feeling like that god failed me and that he almost betrayed me and I was having this this unfair moment and I realized that it wasn't God that betrayed me it was my image of him and nowhere in scripture was I finding an image of a God who accommodated people it was always about his kingdom and I came across this and I thought if you didn't even make space for Jesus (laughs) and for poor pregnant Mary like why am I expecting these things that I'm allowing to affect my faith? And and I see you when you're telling the story, when you said there wasn't even room for Jesus. And for Mary, I see these emotions welling up oh. in you. What is that triggering? Why is that making you emotional when you're thinking of that? I mean, I think that I just relate to that in such a way. I think of just the very exp- various experiences of my life where I felt like there was no room in the inn. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I've blamed God for that. I'm like, hey, God, why didn't you open this up? Um, Or sometimes it's just upset with other people. Um, You know, even as we were talking about that we were going to do this, I had an issue with the kids' school this last week where kind of I got some information that was kind of like, hey, we're not going to accommodate you. That's the word in the way that we have been about this particular issue. And I remember just being so hurt. And it was like the Lord reminded me, remember that 
this is it. This is a moment. This is a no room for you in the end moment. And I was just kind of like, I'm not, I'm not interested in that right now, God. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that we all relate to that. Yeah. And we all need to know that God is still there, that he still has a plan, that he's still accomplishing, in this case, accomplishing the biggest miracle of the history, in the history of mankind. He was still accomplishing it, even in the fact that there was no room in the end. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's this great reminder, I think, too, that we can't take that personal. Yeah. That it's not, I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me enough. Yeah. Because who was the best and who he loved the most still got the message. Yeah. There's no room in the end. I want to make this real and bring it home today for us. What could it look like in our lives to hear there's no room in the end? I think... There's a lot of things. There's small things that can feel that way. I think, you know, we've got the Christmas holiday coming up and maybe you're not going to get to be with your extended family for some reason like you want to be. And that can feel hurtful. Or maybe your kids aren't going to get to be with you this Christmas. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some of those things we know they're just, well, it's just a day, you know. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt, and it doesn't mean that you don't look at someone else that has those things and think, why not me, you know? They can also be really big things, you know? Um, we struggled with infertility before we had our children, like, and that was definitely a no room for the in-the-end moment for me where it was like, hey, everyone else has kids, and, like, we don't, and that's awful, and we want them, and why— why not? Like, why not, God? Why can't I have that? Um, so it can, it can be the whole range, I think, of just the small disappointments, but also the big ones where you say, this isn't turning out like I wanted it to turn out. Like, didn't I, didn't I do this right? And why, why God? Is and even not? if I didn't do this right, aren't you a good God and right. big enough to still show up and yeah. forgive me and to come through for me? And right. Don't, don't you do these types of things? And um, I think, like, I think that it's important, which this kind of goes to one of the next things that I wanted to talk about was like, that God, it's important to realize, too, that God does do those things, that God does sometimes give you the room. And I think maybe there's a, a difficulty sometimes that it's almost like because he sometimes does give you the room, <laughs> right. that like it's sometimes easier to believe, hey, he doesn't care and he's distant and there's just this God, you know, clockmaker God who made the earth and then he's disappeared. And so he doesn't. But but sometimes he does. And so that sometimes makes it even harder when he doesn't. And one of the um, one of the reasons why we know he does, which I love this, is so Luke tells us this wonderful Christmas story in Luke 2 of the birth of Jesus. And he says there's no room in the inn. And that word for inn or guest room, as like I said, it says in the NIV, it appears one other place in the New Testament in one other story. And the story that that appears in is another story that most people are kind of familiar with. 
It's the story of the upper room. Like we see the painting of the Last Supper. We know this, right? Well, God reserved that room. They were coming to Jerusalem for Passover, and God knew that there was this special encounter with Jesus and his disciples. 33 years later. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> there was no room in the end. No room in the end here. This is not going to be encouraging at this moment, but it will bring you hope in a second. But 33 years later. Mm-hmm. There's this great story where Jesus is like, hey, disciples, go tell that guy we're ready for the room. And they go, and the guy's like, yep, I got, I, it's all prepared for you guys. And It was the same room? It was, well, I mean, it's not in Bethlehem, it's Jerusalem. Right. But it's the same word. The same concept. It's the same concept of this guest room. It was also at a time, again, this is Passover. Everyone's coming to Jerusalem. It's the same sort of situation. All the hotels are booked. Okay. Everyone's (laughs) coming. In one case, they're going to Bethlehem for the census. In one case, they're going to Jerusalem for the Passover. But the room, that upper room, the guest room, was reserved when Jesus and his disciples needed it. So I think we all know that sometimes we don't get the room and it hurts and that's okay. But when we need the room, God reserves the room for us. Man, you need to say that again because (laughs) I I needed to hear that and I know our listeners needed to hear that. Say that again. (laughs) We may not always get the room and that's okay and that hurts when that happens, but... When we need the room, God will reserve for the room for you. That brings this sense of hope that we all need. And and that, you know, when we're thinking of hope, if there are moms in this moment right now that not only did they hear there's no room in the end, maybe it's painted on the wall. It is obvious that these doors are not opening or this pain is not going away or things are not changing. Is there any more hope that we can find in this story? Is is there, what would you say to moms right now that are struggling to find hope? Yeah, I would say, first of all, like Jesus gets it, okay? Uh, sometimes we as a church, uh, we show uh, candy canes and rainbows and like we're, everything's pleasant. But if you get into his word, that's not what God says. Okay, so God gets your pain. So that's number one, because like, man, that's a, that's a game changer. <laughs> and number two, he is faithful to get you what you need. And so often we may think, like Mary, I'm sure she thought, I'm pregnant, I'm getting ready to have a baby, I need a place for this to happen. And I'm sure she didn't think that the stable was going to work out. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I you know, th- when she's first approached by this angel, he he makes this comment about her receiving a blessing. Is that I'm trying to look yeah, in the scripture in here. One, yeah. He's he's saying, you know, that this is going to be a blessing and I'm thinking to myself, if this is a blessing, maybe I don't want to be blessed. Like did she know that a blessing meant that she wasn't going to be accommodated, that people were going to shun her and I cannot imagine the looks that she got during, especially during that time, uh, the people talking about her. And then here you're about to have this baby and you're not accommodated for. And then it just continues to get worse for her. She loses him at one point when he's 12. (laughs) 12. And then she has to watch him be murdered when he's 33. That doesn't sound like a blessing to me. 
But when we pull away from it, we call this the Christmas miracle. Yeah. Because we see the whole story. And that is what I, and you have continued to show me this, of that sometimes proximity, when our nose is way too close to it, that we can't see the full picture because none of that sounds like a blessing. But when we pull away, we are putting little statues of Mary in our home, which we should just right. leave them up all year. Like, let's let's not just right. put her up at Christmas. Like, bless her heart. But to just imagine that this angel, that she could not comprehend what he meant when he said blessing. And I can imagine that she thought through that whole thing. Yeah. This is not what I signed up for or maybe maybe she was much better of a woman than me and was like bring it on (laughs) this is my blessing yeah I mean she may have and she may not but she but you're absolutely right our our high level perspective when we look we see the miracle and the amazing when you get down into the nitty-gritty you see the difficulty and the challenge so it's just a encouragement to all of us like when you're in the nitty-gritty of your life and it's all difficulty and challenge lord give us a little bit of the high level perspective let us see just a little bit of what you're doing you know right because he's going to use this and my my life has been this prime example even me being here at arise you if you would have told me years ago that all of that that i was going through in the nine years that i was a single mom that he was preparing me for moments like this (laughs) Uh, maybe I would have thought it was worth it and maybe I wouldn't have. But today, today where I'm at, I can pull away and say, this was a miracle. And I'm so thankful that now there's room in the end. And maybe I wasn't even ready for it then. So there's just all of these levels and these layers and these areas. And this has been so good. I Every time I run across this or when there's songs or when people, you know, are talking about the Christmas story or when we sing that Mary, did you know? I'm like, yes, she knew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think of this, there's no room in the end, but I remember what you taught me, Tracy, but eventually there will be. Tracy, what's one final thing that you would like to say to our moms listening today? Um, You know, I was thinking, again, as I said in the beginning, about these amazing women that I know who are single moms. And as I thought of that, I thought of Proverbs 31, which I, you know, who knows what your exposures have been to Proverbs 31. I've had a mixed, mixed bag in um, the scripture. This is um, a uh, description of this amazing woman. And if in its worst case, I think we look at this as a checklist and um, then we fail. And Oh, yeah, <laughs> all, I definitely I all, read it and think, well, I'm not one of those. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, and there's some easy way. Like when I was struggling with fertility, it's like her children rise up and call her blessed. Well, I, you know, can't check that box because that isn't happening. I mean, there's discussions about her husband. So as single moms, well, whoops, you know. Right. But as I've read other better interpretations of the power of this passage, um, I've learned that instead of a checklist, this is a moment to honor women. Mm. This is to say, hey, look, do you know any women like this? This is incredible what these women are doing. And the, um, the verse 10, which I, I just... I really don't like the um, NIV translation. It says, a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Well, first of all, I mean, some of plenty of the translations 
translate it wife, but most a lot of them translate it woman because it's a more general term. So if you're not a wife, that's okay. So the actual <laughs> word is yeah, woman. Yeah, it's woman. Okay. So, and I think maybe it's kind of like finding a woman sounds a little... Right. We don't, maybe we don't like the feel of that. So it's like, okay, fine. Well, but, um, and this idea of noble character, this is a really cool, like dabbling in Hebrew words is kind of a weird hobby because I'm a weirdo, but, um, (laughs) it is my favorite thing about you that is, I love it that it's your hobby. Um, and I learn from it, but I'm not sure it's ever something that would become my hobby, but I love most people. I just go to blue letter Bible and click right, and it teaches me things, but you go treasure hunting, but I love it. So, but that's okay. So tell us what you learned in your hobby. So this noble character, the, like the King James says virtuous, it's this word ha'il. Yeah, that's kind of how you pronounce all those Hebrew words. They're real weird like that. But um, it's actually like a, like one of the late, the commentators I read about it said like this more likely be woman of valor. Okay. And this word actually, it means kind of strength and might. It's a word used to describe armies and strong men. And so it's saying a strong woman, you know, who finds her, she is worth more than rubies. And I just thought of that when I thought of all of these single moms that I know and like, Wow, those strong women, that those women of valor, you know, yeah. who are doing it, who are raising their kids and working hard and just doing all of this, and they are so valuable. And like we need to follow in in Proverbs 31 as not a to-do list but as an exhortation to other women that we say listen, you, you are a woman of valor and you are super valuable. And, you know, the word of God encourages us in those sorts of exhortations. So thank you. I mean, moms, we want you to hear that today, that you are a woman of valor, that you are incredible. You are a warrior, that you are important and that there might not be room in the end today, but God is preparing a place for you. And our prayer is that you stay strong and that you keep pursuing and walking forward. And thank you all for listening today. We are going to spend the next two weeks on this journey in the Christmas story with the help of Tracy. We will be back next week to continue this story and learn what it means to treasure the gifts that God has given you in this season. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you.